Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> B-F-F-T. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. I'm super interested in this Draymond Green, Golden State Warriors, Jordan Poole spat that went on at practice. It's not unusual for athletes in a professional sports setting to take issue with each other. Once upon a time, not that long ago, Zach Randolph, Zebo, threw a punch during a Blazers practice, broke the eye socket and cheekbone of one Reuben Patterson, who had been mixing it up with Quintel Woods a little bit earlier in the practice. Wasn't that long ago that Ned Sinitovich, a uh, Blazers big guy, mixed it up with Ha Sung Jin. Remember Ha? The Ha era of... Blazers basketball? Oh yeah, they got in an altercation during a practice when they were shooting free throws. I'll tell you more on that story coming up, but Draymond Green. He's passionate, he's emotional, training camps on. Jordan Poole and Green have been known to commonly argue with each other. But Wednesday at practice, it escalated. The tension boiled over. Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports reporting that the teammates had noticed a change in Poole's behavior throughout training camp. He's he's on the verge of securing a large contract extension. Draymond Green apparently taking exception to Jordan Poole. He's had to come out. He's apologized. Bob Myers, the uh, general manager of the Warriors, coming out saying, look, this is the kind of stuff that happens. I want to talk about what it is that you and I need to know and what is it that maybe we just feel like we're interested because in the same way that kids in an elementary school playground might come running if they see a fight happening oh what's going on over there let's circle up let's see what's going on what is newsworthy and what isn't when it comes to this kind of stuff is a is a disagreement is a physical altercation enough to merit news do you need more than that some out there have uh, indicated that uh, this much should do about nothing. Others say, look, uh, this is a big deal. It is a sign that all is not well. Stephen A. Smith, uh, on first take this morning, took the, took the initial stance. I could kill us. Mm. It's teammates. Yeah. They were just laughing and hugging with one another in June when they won the championship. Yeah. This stuff happens. You get in each other's face. You're talking yeah. trash. You know, sometimes punches are thrown or whatever the case may be. Maybe a fine is going to be warranted. I don't know what happened. I never even bothered to call. Maybe a fine is going to be happening. Maybe you get suspended the game. Maybe Draymond was a headache. Maybe Poole reacted wrong. I don't know. Here's the bottom line. They play together. They're teammates and they're champions together. This stuff yeah. happens all the time. It is much ado about nothing. I could yeah. care less. Is it newsworthy? 503-417-7575. Or is this an example of, hey, it's glamorous, it's got some sizzle to it, it involves the 
defending world champions. It's Draymond Green. It's midweek. And for those reasons, man, this becomes a bigger story. You tell me at 503-417-7575, newsworthy or not, do you want to know this kind of stuff? Uh, Back in the day, uh, I wrote a story about a similar incident at the Blazers practice facility. It was a wild incident. Ha Sung Jin, the uh, Korean big man from South Korea, and Ned Sinanovich, who was on the Blazers team, uh, were finishing a workout, as players usually do at the end of the workouts. It was a Friday, and they were shooting free throws together in silence. Peaceful enough. Uh, But these two guys did not like each other. They were competing... Uh, on a roster that had other players playing in front of them. They were basically competing for leftover minutes on the Blazers roster. So it was a very peaceful scene. One guy's shooting free throws, and then they rotate. The other guy shoots some free throws, then they rotate back, and the player who's not shooting is shagging the ball. So Ned Sinanovich was shooting, and he was shooting his final free throw, and he made it. And he came across the free throw line, and he shagged that ball himself. Now, Ha went to the free throw line to go shoot his free throws, and Ned wouldn't give him the ball. And so Ha walked over to Ned, who was standing under the basket just holding the ball, and he snatched it back. Then Sinanovich said something to Ha Sung Jin under his breath. To this day, I don't know what was said. But the seven foot four inch Ha and the seven foot three inch Ned ended up on the ground at the Blazers practice facility in Tualatin, swinging elbows, swinging fists, rolling around on the ground. The fight was broken up by Blazers staffers. Uh, ha got punched and was shouting, I'll sue, I'll sue, as it was broken up. The two players were escorted to different areas of the practice facility. And normally the story would end right there. Hey, it was just two teammates. Uh, uh, It escalated to uh, a little skirmish, and uh, nobody nobody, uh, got seriously injured, and it's over. Except Hasung Jin's neutral corner in this case was the team weight room. And while he was in there fuming, he looked over and noticed one of those wooden poles that the players used to stretch. And he picked up the pole, and he went after Ned Sinanovic, who, by the way, blocked the first swing of the pole with his forearm, according to somebody who was there, but then took another shot in the ribs before somebody grabbed that closet dowel-like pole from Ha's hands and threw it across the courts. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not doing this to be funny. Violence isn't funny. And Ha is probably lucky that he didn't injure his teammate with the pole. But it's not as sinister as some of the things that went on at the Blazers' practice facility. Zach Randolph cold-cocking Ruben Patterson, breaking his eye socket. Then, by the way, he got chased around the practice facility after he broke Ruben Patterson's eye socket. And then he had to spend the night in hiding at Dale Davis's house because Zebo feared for his life. He thought Ruben Patterson was going to kill him. So I look back on those Blazers' eras you know, skirmishes, and they certainly are nothing that the franchise would want to be proud of, but I just wonder how frequent this is. I've been around NFL training camp, NFL practices, it happens all the time. We've seen it. Aaron Donald this offseason. 
How big a story is this in your mind? Is it a sign of larger dissent? Is it just, hey, this is what happens when high-caliber athletes mix it up, sometimes frustrations boil over? Does the fact that Poole was you know, on the, on the cusp of a contract extension and Draymond Green is a you know, fiery team leader of the Warriors, does that add fuel to this fire? Certainly. But is this at all newsworthy, or is this another example of media, and I'm part of the media world, perpetuating something because it's interesting, it gets views, ESPN certainly going all in on this story after it broke and all in on it this morning as well. Judah Newby, Stephen, what are we really looking at here? How big a story is this stuff? It's definitely newsworthy to me um, because it's Draymond, because it's the reigning champions, and we know who Dre is, we know who Jordan Poole is. It all makes sense. I don't mind it, and frankly, I don't really expect all that much from ESPN as a uh, as a content site. You know, I it's so predictable to me, so I don't really take issue with the fact that they're covering it and that they're talking about it. I you know I don't agree with Stephen A on very many things. Uh, but I kind of do on this one. In terms of what it means for the team, it feels much ado about nothing. You know, we haven't even played games yet. I think Draymond is just trying to set a tone here, saying last year was last year. Okay, don't be talking about your bag. Don't be talking about your money. Focus on the damn action on the court, young man, and I will force you to think about that if you don't take it upon yourself to think about that. And Jordan Poole is, is probably yapping his mouth a little bit too much. I love it. If I was a Warriors fan, I'm, I love this story. I think it's Draymond refocusing the team for a new season and forgetting last year. But from a media standpoint, yeah, man, we blow it up. That's what we do. We got to get the clicks. Who cares about the story? Get the clicks. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think it matters with the Warriors at all, like you said, Judah, like Stephen A. said, which it sucks to agree with Stephen A. that it really doesn't matter. But, like, this stuff happens all the time. And I think I think it's in the NBA, too. You know, the NBA is such a drama league, right? Like, we want to hear about the offseason moves. We want to hear about the drama. This is a perfect opportunity to blow that up and just go with it. Uh, you know, where we saw in the NFL where Aaron Donald – was taking helmets off and swinging them, we thought, well, nothing should happen to him. You know, I thought he should have got suspended for a game because it was a bad look, but most people were against me on that. So I think it's just more of the drama league in the NBA that people love to see it. You know, I, you know, I played small college basketball. I got in a fight with teammates. Like, I got mad because the guy kept setting moving screens on me, so the next time he did, I went elbow to the face and stood over him and tried to fight him. So, like, this stuff happens, but it's <laughs> but it's just, like, it's just, you know, it's teammates and it's basketball. Like, this stuff will happen over time. And um, so I really think it has nothing to do with anything. Like, the Warriors will be fine. There's nothing breaking between the Warriors. But at the same time, I do like to know it, right? Like, I want to know this stuff. I think it is very interesting, but I really think it has no effect on anything. I also am worried, or not worried, but I'm concerned that, you know, this, this gets news. There's... There's other teams in the league. I'm sure there's other altercations that have taken place. And I just wonder at what point, like when you look at the Warriors uh, and the culture of that organization, we all trust it. And I think that's what I hear from Stephen A. Smith. I hear from Judah. I hear from Stephen. You're saying, hey, you know, it, it's the Warriors. They're defending champions. You're not really worried about them in that way. Would you be more worried if this were the Sacramento Kings uh, or if this were the Lakers? Because, you know, we've seen – the uh the you know those teams come apart at the seams at different parts of the season so i kind of wonder like are we giving the warriors the benefit of the doubt here because they have some proof of performance yeah that's a good point um 
for me, I wouldn't. I still wouldn't take it seriously. I think this kind of stuff happens all the time. Now, if it's a different kind of fight and it turns out to be the fight like you're mentioning with the Blazer guys back in the day with you know weapons and guys you know trying to actually you know hurt each other really bad, I think that's a little different. But when it's just kind of a skirmish and by all ports it was just yelling and then Draymond threw a punch at him, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Like they're not nothing serious is going to happen. Jordan Poole didn't get hurt, finished his workout, so you know. I, 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 I'm not giving the Warriors the benefit of the doubt. I think if it was the Kings still, I wouldn't make a big deal of it. If it's Russell Westbrook punching LeBron, <laughs> is it that, a different story? I know you said it's not funny, but it's funny. That would be different. I mean, <laughs> it's funny. This is funny. Like Jordan Poole said, oh, I, I'm going to put a pool in my house. It's going to be called the Jordan Pool. Like, that's apparently what Draymond got pissed off about. And that's funny. We so, all know that guy that has that annoying joke. And he just keeps going to the well with this some dumbass joke. And he keeps going and going. And then, you know, and plus, sometimes people need a pop in the face sometimes. I believe. Yeah, no, there's, I don't there's certain that. justice. There's court justice. That, yeah. There's court justice that goes on. Let's go to the phone lines. 503-417-7575. Sean in Vancouver. Go ahead. Hey, John. So, you know, this is... I guess it's some a little twisted about it because it's really nothing. It's heated teammate exchange, but we have legitimate news stories in sports right now with with women's soccer, with the lack of actual with lip service concussion pro, concussion protocols in NFL. You know, we have legitimate news stories out there that actually need to be addressed, and we're talking about two teammates having a heated exchange during preseason practice, during workout. Yeah. I mean. What are we doing with our time, man? We, we've got real things to actually address. I don't, I don't care what Draymond Green did to whoever. And get, get to the real news story. Tell me, yeah. about Tell me how it, things are actually working. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, and I agree with it. And I think there's a real temptation, and I've seen it, especially, look, you know, obviously my background is in newspapers. And, you know, I've worked at six different newspapers in different markets. There's a real temptation to look to ESPN to tell us what's newsworthy, you know, and, you know, we, we look at ESPN as a news outlet often, especially their website or their sports center. But let's be real. The E in ESPN is for entertainment, and it is a event company that has bought up a bunch of bowl games, has a partnership with the SEC and the ACC and maybe the Pac-12 one day, and has a dog in the fight, so to speak. And so the top headlines uh, for ESPN, some of it is newsworthy, some of it is justified, but there's an element in there, and I think we have to really be careful. There's an element in there that, you know, a lot of smaller news outlets or entities get caught up in this thing going, hey, what's newsworthy? Let me go to ESPN and find out what's newsworthy instead of actually evaluating the news as it, as it comes to you. I, I have told people this, and I don't mean this to be mean. I don't do a lot of like sourcing of my news from other news outlets. I will sort of gather the stories that are out there. I'll look at what's newsworthy. And this was a story that, you know, sometimes I, I don't end up talking about the things that ESPN tells us are the top stories, in part because I'm like, it's not that big a story. But I actually wanted to focus on this one because – I think it's a great example of ESPN trying to tell us what's interesting, but I frankly think it's just about like, hey, it's the Warriors, it's Draymond Green, it's players punching, it's midweek, Aaron Judge already hit his 62nd, the playoffs in baseball haven't really started yet, 
The NFL weekend's coming up. College football's coming up. And hey, you know what's big right now? Oh, let's look at um, let's look at Draymond Green apologizing to Jordan Poole after throwing a punch in practice. Didn't break his jaw. Isn't going to be kicked off the team. Is unlikely to be suspended. The Warriors are going to just uh, you know handle this in house. Draymond Green will apologize. They'll move forward, and it'll be nothing here in a few days. But I really would caution people, like, I always ask young people, like, how do you get your news? And they'll be like, well, I go to Twitter or I go to ESPN or whatnot. And I I really would encourage people, and I think people out there that have been reading and, you know, I don't don't want to offend millennials, but, like, people in their 40s and 50s have probably figured out, maybe in a different way, than others, what, how they gather their news, how they determine what's important. Because if you're listening to ESPN all the time, they're telling you, they're talking about Lynn Sanity, they're talking about Tim Tebow, they're talking about Tom Brady, they're talking about LeBron and the Lakers, they're talking about, you know, punches thrown with Draymond Green. They're not always going to be talking to you about the things that really are newsworthy and important. They're going to be talking to you about the things that they think are going to keep you on their website and keep you watching their programming. And that's what it's about. To that point, do you think if the Blazers got in a fight in training camp, you know, let's say Justice Winslow, the tough guy on their team, punched somebody? I bet bet it's happened. Would would they talk about it? The ESPN wouldn't be talking about it, would they? No. I I bet it's happened. You know, unless it's like Damian Lillard getting punched by, you know, Anthony Simons or Lillard punching Simons. I don't. I don't think we're going to hear about it, and I think it's a reason why the teams don't let media into their practices until like the last five minutes when they're shooting free throws. And the players like sometimes you walk in in that setting, and I can remember walking into practices, college practices, NBA practices, and you walk into that setting and you you have the sense something happened, like you know something's not quite right, everybody's not acting right, and you can tell something's happened in this practice. But just like you know, the Rams in that practice and Aaron Donald swinging the helmets or whatnot. Like, if we don't see it, if somebody doesn't get the video of that, it's barely a news story. It's barely important unless somebody's hurt. J- Jaden Grant's coming up. I'll ask him. Practice fights at Oregon State. He'll he'll talk to us bottom of the hour here, 3.30 or so. I want your phone calls as well, though, at 503-417-7575. We'll give our Pac-12 picks for this week, and we're not going to agree on them. Uh, There's a couple of really hard games in the Pac-12 that I think are going to divide us up. uh, And much more. Leave it here. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Jaden Grant, Oregon State team captain, coming up bottom of the hour. I wrote a couple of pieces today at johnconzano.com, one of them about the uh, guest we had on yesterday's show, which I thought was just fantastic. Uh, If you missed it on yesterday's show, we got a visit from Timbers midfielder George Fochive, who was the first Portland player to speak publicly after the uh, release on Monday of the U.S. soccer investigation on abuse in women's soccer. Really disturbing and disappointing stuff. And Fochibe was fantastic yesterday talking about it. I wrote about that this morning very early. I came back later in the morning. Uh, You know, again, this is another example of the fact that I'm having fun. I was like, you know what? I got more to say today. I came back and wrote about my favorite two boxers. Like, you may be a fan of Rocky Marciano or Sugar Ray Robinson or Mike Tyson, but... I am a Muhammad Ali guy, and I wrote about Muhammad Ali, and I wrote about our six-year-old in our house, Soji, who is my other favorite boxer. She got home from school today, 
And she said, what did you do today? And I said, I wrote about you. I showed her. She got a big smile on her face, and then she blew me off and left the room. But if you uh, want to check those out, go to johnconzano.com to read them. Uh, I'll talk more about Draymond Green. The bigger lesson here in this Draymond Green story isn't that Draymond Green or a basketball player or a professional athlete got in an altercation with a teammate at a practice. It's that I would really caution you to to not allow ESPN or other major news outlets dictate to you what's important. you got to sort through it. I think we already do that to some extent. Uh, Mark is in Portland, wants to talk about... Uh, uh, this plus the baseball playoffs on man. We got to talk a little bit. Who's going to win the National League, Judah? Who's going to win the National League? I don't want to steal any of Mark's thunder, but uh, I know me and Mark root alike. Okay. Birds of a feather, and them okay. being red birds of a feather. Let's go Cardinals! All right, let's see what Mark in Portland says. Yeah. Mark, what's up, man? What's going on? Not a lot. I'm just uh, enjoying the beautiful weather. This is a great run of weather, but uh, Take it. I just. I think you should always put the uh, on-the-field activity in front of the drama stuff. And, uh, and you know, I know it's bad what's going on in soccer, and but that's not the actual sport, and that's what I enjoy. So baseball, and, I've you know, we've, I've been into baseball since the 1960s. I was, you know, sneaking my transistor radio into school in the third and fourth grade to listen to the baseball games that used to be played during the day. So this is big uh, for us older guys. I think a lot, lot more baseball fans in the older generation, but I'm excited about that. And, uh, you know, I mean, throwing a punch at practice, is that what happened? That pretty much happened in every uh, pickup game that I was involved in, and, you know, 20 <laughs> years ago. I'm going to say there were some punches thrown down low, you know what I mean? Because they're playing a physical game. I mean, you know, it's uh, it, it really isn't a big deal. I mean, I think social networking really contributes to uh, a lot more news that you guys – the media wouldn't have reported on 30 years ago because you didn't have anything, you know, as far as that quick of an outlet. <laughs> yeah. So it's right, it's right in everybody's face. And I just like the what's happening on the field. And I, I can't wait. 11 o'clock tomorrow, St. Louis and Philly. Anything can happen in baseball. The Dodgers won 110 games. Uh, Atlanta's the defending champions. Those are probably the two favorites, but in baseball, as you know, John, it, it really doesn't mean a lot in postseason. If, if Pujols and Goldschmidt and Arnado can get hot and, and your pitching can survive, the Cardinals could win it. So I just can't wait. <laughs> I'll be, I'd be okay with the Cardinals winning it because that would mean the Dodgers don't win it. But, uh, you know, I look at this and I are you at all worried about the pitching in St. Louis? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, am I still on? Yes. Yeah, you're on. Uh, because uh, Wainwright, I love him to death, but he's not the, you know, as none of us would be at that age, he's still effective. So I think I think uh, we, we did get a great pickup uh, from the Yankees uh, trading, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but the blonde center, center fielder, outfielder. Uh, that Bader. Bader. And uh, so, yeah, it's all going to come down to pitching. Bader. Bader. Right. It all, yeah. It's all going to come down to pitching, and the Dodgers yeah. probably have the best pitching, and Houston and the Yankees are probably the two teams over there. But, you know, the Mariners are involved, so I'm surprised yeah. that uh, we're not talking more baseball on the, the bald face truth. Yeah, we talked a little baseball yesterday <laughs> know, on this show. you're a baseball yeah. guy. We did, we did. I think there's a faction of this audience that wants to talk about it when the postseason gets here. I don't think a lot of people want to talk about baseball year-round. I've Notice that because when I start to talk about it, they have this glazed over look in their eyes. So here's what I think about 
the postseason. Like you get these great matchups. Like the like, there's no better a, a, a example of this than the Mariners and the Blue Jays. But you have a really good pitching staff that has been really good for most of the season in Seattle. They looked uh, they looked a little worn out at the end of the year, but really good against a Toronto team that really scores runs. So what's going to win there? Like I love that clash in you know of style and substance. St. Louis can, you know, St. Louis can, uh, you know, they're not a bad pick. They're probably about the second or third pick in the National League if you're, if you're looking at it. But I also am a little worried that, like, we always talk about pitching winning. Wainwright hasn't been great, but, you know, he's a good pitcher with a lot of history and a lot of proof of performance. But around him, that staff is a little, uh, a little spotty. So I kind of worry about the the Cardinals there, but you know somebody catch the Braves did it last year. They caught lightning in a bottle, and the bullpen last year was fantastic. So look out for the Braves too. I I like the Braves, the Dodgers, Cardinals are not a bad pick. Phillies are going nowhere, um, but I'm mostly interested in this wild card weekend. Do the Mariners get out of this get out of this wild card weekend, guys? So I don't. I do not think that they do. I think the Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s uh, and the offense that you're referring to with Toronto is going to be too much. But every Mariner fan I talk to, and I like the Mariners, but I am not a diehard Mariner fan. Uh, they're confident, man. Mariner fans are really confident in this series. And uh, I find that interesting because they know their team pretty well. I don't think they're seeing it with bias. And it should be a good series. I, I do think it goes three games. I hope it goes three. If it goes three, I, I might say that the Mariners have a better chance in this series because I think they have the better pitching staff. And I think, you know, Toronto's interesting to me, but it's all about offense. So, you know, I was looking at the odds today. Uh, you know, the the uh, Blue Jays are 18-1 to 1 to get to the World Series. 18-1. to 1. The Mariners are 20-1 to 1 to get to the World Series. They're right in there together, but... I kind of I'm looking over I'm looking at the Blue Jays lineup right now and you know the guy that is jumping out at me is is not a guy that has a has great numbers this year because everybody wants to talk about Vlad Guerrero Jr. and and Kirk and Bichette and but how about George Springer? He George Springer always he's like guy who always seems to have like a you know the every year we get in the playoffs we get an Aaron Boone like performance. He's got that feel to me. You you need your normal like he's like a two fifty hitter, but you get him in the postseason and you know and suddenly he goes seven for eleven with two home runs, you know, in, in two games, and you're like oh, just ridiculous. But uh, the Mariners gonna have to pitch it, and and it and I love that clash of a really good offensive team against a, a team that can pitch it. Uh, coming up, Jaden Grant, Oregon State's team captain. I'll ask him about skirmishes at practice. I bet he's seen some. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Every Thursday, Jaden Grant, Oregon State's defensive back and team captain, joins us on this show. It's brought to you by Jamba. Make life better. It's better blended, isn't it? Uh, Jamba and Jaden Grant go together. He joins us every Thursday. I got to ask you a basketball question. Is that all right? Can I pepper you with a basketball question? (laughs) Yeah, it's all good. All right. Draymond Green, Jordan Poole mixing it up at practice becomes this big story. 
I don't think it's that big a deal. Uh, we kind of agree on this show that it's not that big a deal, but give us an idea. You had a dad who played in the NBA. You played some basketball. You're at practice every day. How common is a little skirmish? Uh, I think it's pretty common, especially with the highly competitive group. Um, so I don't think it's you know it's too much too much to worry about. I know that everybody makes a big deal about it, and I think maybe part of it is the Warriors are the champs or whatnot. But but I think if you go around the league, you probably find that kind of thing happens at least once a season in every camp. And I know at football practices, look at the NFL when they cross over. I mean, those guys are scrapping. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like I said, it's just really people just being competitive. You know what I'm saying? Um, nobody's really out there ever trying to trying to really fight. It's just guys, you know, mixing it up, you know, being overly competitive. Do you get, uh, like in fall camp, you get, first get into camp and you get some receivers who, you know, who are trying to uh, assert themselves against that DB group. You guys, uh, you guys take that personally. Do you scrap a little and then after practice, do you shake hands or how does that work? How do you work that out? Yeah, that's, that's the cool thing about, about our group specifically is, you know, we can be highly competitive and, you know, go at it all day in practice. But as soon as we step off the field, you know, it's all respect. You know, we're, we're brothers, we're teammates at the end of the day. You get Stanford this week. What do you see on film? Uh, Stanford, a little bit more 11 personnel, a little bit more open sets than they have been traditionally. They still have, you know, some of that downhill run game. But, you know, just overall, Coach Shaw, the, the program, you know, they're going to be a well-coached team. You know, they're going to be disciplined. And uh, obviously obviously a team that's also hungry, you know, to get back on track as well. So, You know, we always hear coaches say 11 personnel, 12 personnel. We're talking about, uh, you know, there's some audience members who, who hear that. They don't know what you mean. Help us out with the difference between 11 and 12. 11 and 12. So 11 is one one running back, one tight end, and then three receivers. And then 12 is one running back, two tight ends, and then um, two receivers. So you just made our audience smarter just with that. I love that because <laughs> yeah, we always say it. We say stuff like that, and then I think, you know, there might be somebody tuning in who has no idea what we're talking about. And, again, we're talking to Jaden Grant. He knows what he's doing. Um you guys, uh, you know, Stanford's lost nine straight conference games. They're going to be super motivated at home to get this one. You guys go into this. Um, you guys need to get back on track, too. You need, to, you need to get a W. This is a game that you have to win, I think. And, you know, yeah. how, how are you guys feeling? I mean, we feel good. I mean, anytime you, you have a loss, you just have that bad taste in your mouth. I mean, you're just eager to get out there and, and, and get that next opportunity, you know, this week at Stanford. So, you know, we felt we've had a really good week of preparation. You know, we, we got right back to the process after the loss on Sunday. Um, we feel like we've prepared the right way. And, um, you know, now it's just go out, time to go out there and execute, you know, on Saturday night and get back in the uh, winning column. What's it like to go on the road? You were on the road last week in Salt Lake. You're on the road this week when, you know, you walk in and that that – fan base in Salt Lake City for Utah, they're pretty salty. Uh, you know, I don't know if the Stanford fans are going to quite be that way, but what's that feel like to be out on the field and you're in hostile territory? Uh, me me personally, I, I like, you know, environments like that. You know, I like getting booed. I like being in hostile territory. Um, you know, that's something that, you know, we talked about as a defense. You know, you have to enjoy, you know, going to somebody else's house and holding them to as little points as possible. So definitely something that, you know, we're looking to take pride in. And um, we're excited for the opportunity this weekend. Tanner McKee, the Stanford QB, he's he's gonna he's gonna be picked high in the draft. And you get up for a challenge like that? 
I mean, yeah. I mean, but every every single week is a challenge. You know what I mean? So you look back and you're like, yeah, that was a great player. But you know, we approach the things the same way every week. You know, we focus on us. You know, focus on the execution and the little ins and outs between the plays. And um, obviously, you know, when you when you're facing a, a good, talented quarterback like that who's accurate with the ball, you know, he's not going to give you anything. You have to be on your stuff every single rep. So, you know, it's exciting going against challenges like that. I keep people keep coming up to me, and they keep wanting to talk about your yoga class. Has anybody mentioned that to you? Anybody talking to you about <laughs> dropping your yoga class? No, nobody's talked to me about the yoga class just yet. But um, I'm only it's my only my second weekend, so you know, yeah. I'm, I'm online now too, not in class. So give me an idea. Yoga online. I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I have the self-discipline to like be like, you know, what do you do? You boot up the computer and you, you join virtually or how does that work? Yeah, so you have your practices online. Basically, it's not like an online session. It's more like a, you know, get it done and then you have a little practice log. So I enjoyed it. I, I did it um, last term, Yoga 1. So I'm in, you know, the second second level of yoga. <laughs> You're like term. yoga too? You're going to get a yoga degree? <laughs> Yeah, maybe. We'll see. That's more like your mom's genre. Like, you know, for people who don't know, Jaden's yeah. mom, Gina, is like, you know, Miss Zumba, uh, worldwide international personality. Like, do you ever do, have you ever done, you have to have done the Zumba classes with her. I've done one Zumba class with her. Um, I've been to a few of her. I went to the convention in Orlando when I was younger. Um, but I really haven't taken that many uh, Zumba classes. Pretty uh, pretty intense stuff. Uh, give us an idea. Um you know the other defensive backs. We don't, we don't talk about those guys. Give us you know give us an idea. Let's talk about the other guys that are back there starting with you. If you could just go around and, and maybe talk about some of the strengths that each of the guys have, so that when people are watching Oregon State play, they feel like they know them a little bit. Yeah. So uh, for our corners, you know Alex Austin and uh, Rajon Wright. Alex, um, you know, great feet, uh, really tough, good in the run game. Will stick his stick his face in the fan. Um, you know, good with his feet, good coverage. Ray is, you know, really long, good at the line of scrimmage, great with getting hands on. Uh, and he's a, he's really good, you know, making on the ball, you know, with his ball skills. Um, Katana Ladapo is someone who has just got better every single year. Um, you know, he can play in the box. He can cover as a speed to cover. He can play in the post. Um, he can do a lot of different things. He can rush the passer. So overall, we got a lot of guys, you know, with a lot of experience and a lot of snaps under their belt. And um, it's really just an honor and, and a blessing to be able to, you know, share the share the field with, you know, some great teammates, but also some great friends as well. When the call comes in and there's a safety blitz, you like that or you prefer to be in coverage? <laughs> yeah, I like the safety blitz, um, you know, but you got to share them with the others. So, you know, you'll see me me sharing a katan. Achilles yeah. takes, takes them too. So it's. It's more of like a you know when the call comes in you got to grab it or somebody else will. Yeah, that's interesting. So the call doesn't come in like specifically for you, or it, it just, does it depend on well, the formation? It, it it really depends, and and that's a good thing with having versatility. You know, guys that can plug and play at different positions, especially you know talking about the boundary, the post, and then the slot. So um, you know, that's a cool thing about. Uh, our guys is that, you know, we're able to kind of mix and match. Sometimes this guy goes, this guy's in coverage, whatever it may be. There it is, Jaden Grant, Oregon State uh, defensive back. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I know you're close with Alex Austin. You're close with uh, uh, Rajon as well. Like, you know, how how does it help to have that comfort with guys that you've been back there with, that you hang out with personally, that you feel comfortable with and know? It's really cool um, because you know how these guys prepare. You know, you know how they go about their business. 
And uh, especially, you know, being Battlefield Texas with them, you know, playing so many snaps with these same guys. Um, it's just real cool, you know, comfortable with the with the room and where it's at, you know, and, and our teammates you're playing with. And then it's also, you know, great in the off season and also, you know, in those moments of adversity because you're able to hold each other accountable more. You know, you, you guys are, you know, these are guys that I look at as my brothers. So I know if they tell me something, it's really in my best interest. So, um, yeah, it's been an amazing experience playing with all those guys. All right, who's the who's the running back that you, on your own team that you would least like to tackle? The running back on my own team that I on would your least own like to team that you just go uh, like you'll tackle them, <laughs> but it's not fun. Yeah. And I would say the guy the guy that's probably the least fun to tackle is, is uh Hammer. Coletta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in those last years. He's yeah. He's, he he's a big cut. dude and you know, he's not definitely doesn't shy away from contact at all or try to make a you know, a cut unless unless you're just completely giving it to him. But you um, know, Yeah. He, he's, he's kinda he's got definitely one of those dudes. He's got kind of dead weight to him too. I, you see guys hit him and they just kind of bounce off. You know, he just kind of yeah. it doesn't affect him. He's like one of those Marvel action heroes in the movie, just kind of bounces off yeah. him. And, and by the way, I I called it in the press box last week when he threw the pass. I I said to the other writers, I said he's going to throw the ball here because you know we'd seen him do that, and I I just kept waiting for him to throw a pass. He wasn't bad. He still got it. <laughs> No, for real, he threw a good pass and Ant made a good catch. So that was a cool little play. I hadn't, I hadn't seen that one before either. So I was like, oh. Everybody thought because Murray threw the little jump pass. I think it was last season. It got intercepted, and or was it two seasons ago? I can't remember. But everyone thought he'll never get to pass again. And I go, nah. At some point, you got to keep him honest, don't you? Yeah, I, I, I can't. I thought that was 2018 when when that jump pass <laughs> was it on the goal line. Yeah, on the goal line. <laughs> It, yeah, was a, it was a disaster. That. It was a disaster. <laughs> but And I thought, you know what? At some point, you got to go back to it because otherwise, defense is just going to sit there. They're going to, at the line of scrimmage, they're just going to tee off. So you got to hurt them yeah. and give them something to think about. Yeah, I mean, you never know You never know what you're going to get with the hammer. We may see him kick, kick a ball or something like that. <laughs> I like it. All right, Jaden, good luck to you. Saturday, you're going to Stanford. Get a win. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate you giving time, and, uh, and uh, have a good game. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. There he is, Jaden Grant. That interview brought to you by Jamba. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I would also not not like to tackle Jack Coletto, the hammer. Thanks to Jaden Grant, who joins us every week. That interview brought to you by Jamba. Start your college football weekend and off right with the Jamba. Uh, guys, uh, I don't know. Is that a weird question? Who would you not want to tackle? I've always <laughs> it just kind of popped into my head. Like, you're Jaden Grant. You've done this for seven years. Who's the guy, you know? You're in practice, or you're scrimmaging your own team, and you're like, "Oh gosh, I got to tackle this guy." Like Jack Coletto's that guy. Yeah, but you could go either way. Like you could go with a guy who's really shifty, right? Like you oh. know, back in the day, Reggie Bush. Like that would be fun to do. But like at the same time, would you want to tackle him or Lindell White, who's just going to punish you? Yes. <laughs> right. Like you, it's it's the same thing. So like, it is an interesting question to see yeah. where Jane Grant's head's at. His head's at like you know, what? I'm a physical player, but 
Jack Leto. Now that is a really physical player as well. I played one year of organized tackle football, uh, seventh grade at Patton Middle School, and I love football, man. Like I loved hitting people, but I was so small, so it's kind of weird. But when you ask that question, what do he not want to tackle in practice? Like we had a running back that was twice as big as me, who is one of my best friends. But I remember him running at me in the open field, and I was like, oh, my God. And I just kind of went into a turtle shell and stuck out my arm and touched his shoelace because I did not want to die that day. And uh, I always think about that play on the practice field, and I forgot about it for a while, and then I watched Derrick Henry run in the NFL, and it all came back to me. I'm like... That was Derrick Henry running at me seventh okay. grade at Pat Middle a, School. So I thought that was a great question because it always I I still sometimes think about that moment. I'm like I'm not going to die today. I'm just going to reach my hand out. Let me ask you a question here. <laughs> we used to do this in college. We had this running kind of question. Would you rather let Mike Tyson box with Mike Tyson for one round, <laughs> even at his current age? Have Derrick Henry have to tackle Derrick Henry? in a narrow hallway, or let Shohei Otani drill you in the ribs with his best fastball. Oh, that's, that's you have to do one of those three things. What's the, what's the lesser evil on those three do, things? Do I get pads for the Derrick Henry? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're in a football uniform. You got to oh. tackle him. You got to tackle Derrick Henry. Yeah, but you're like, what are you, 6'2"? I'm 6'2". I feel like the Otani fastball to the oh. ribs would oh. hurt, but I, I don't want to get decapitated by Derrick Henry or Mike Tyson. <laughs> How narrow is the hallway? Is this like Rapino, you know, uh, No, let's just say it's a, let's say it's a regular, you know, regular uh, run-of-your-mill uh, neighborhood household hallway. Got it. Okay. Derrick Henry. Many of those. You know, there's no escaping him is what I'm saying. He's going to yeah. run you over. He's going to truck you. I think Otani because there's less of a chance I die. (laughs) I actually think the Otani thing, he could, like, I think he could shatter your rib cage. Like Like, internal bleeding? Yes. That's true. That that does not sound Forget the Tyson thing. It's off the table. I don't want to be in that ring with him. I would die with Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be in the ring. I actually think I would try to tackle Derrick Henry. (laughs) I would just just do the sign of the cross. Yeah. And I, I would go low. You know? See, that's the thing. At least you can try to take your head out of it, you know, tackling Henry. And, uh, but that's, I would take the fastball from Otani, but that's try to get a crazy. tripping, try to get a triple pe- tripping penalty in football. Yeah, like exactly. No, that's how I would do I would, I would run at him with all I got and then make him, oh my gosh, here comes this little five, <laughs> nine white dude trying to take me out. And it would kind of like, you know, psychologically, you know, freeze him a little bit. And then yeah. I would go low. I would just like go like a beetle and just roll into his ankles. <laughs> like a beetle into his best. ankles. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Do the rolling the hedgehog, home. like little B button. And then just uh, try to take him out at the feet. What if you can't take him out at the feet? You got to hit him up high. Then to change I, it? Yeah, yeah, I'm Otaniing all the way. Yeah, that is Otani for sure. Yeah. Because if, it, if I can go low, you talk to me into Henry. Yeah. But there's something about Wait, is, knowing. Is Otani just throwing the pitch? Like, do I have a chance to get out of the way? No. Let's, say, let's just. <laughs> you're not going to be able to get out of the way. If he wants to hit you in the rib cage, he's going to hit you in the rib cage. That's true, too. Let's just say. Here, I'm going to add an element here because the part of this with the Otani that drives me nuts is knowing he's going to hit you while you're standing there would not be fun. So let's say this you're in the batter's box. Otani knows he can either 
throw the ball over the plate, or he can drill you. If he throws the ball over the plate and you make contact with it somehow, the it, the experiment's over. But if he just drills you in the ribs, uh, the experiment's over as well. So what does he do? I, if I'm Otani, I throw a couple in there because I know you ain't touching it. Like, yeah, and I'm gonna yeah. I'm, I'm gonna let you live in. It's kind of like any M Night, Sh- you know, Shyamalan movie. Like, you know, scare him, but make him wait for it first. Yeah, try to make him a little comfortable. Because you're, yeah, you're right. Yes. Like, you're not touching the ball. Like, no matter what he throws at you, you're not going to hit the ball. So get a little comfortable, and then he can really get him yeah. in the ribs. But if he starts off speed, I'd be a little pissed. If he, yeah. if I get an AB with Otani and he, he throws some curve or some changeup, I'm like, dude, just get it over with. Just get it over with. Don't just, make it act like you can throw 87. Like You just you take your shirt off. Down. You have an yeah. X on your rib cage. Exactly. Like right, right there, here. dude. <laughs> right That's here. where you do it. Let's get this done. I'd just be afraid you'd get it, get hit in the head. Like, you know, lose his control, hit yeah. you in the noggin. Now, now we got problems. That's That would be, then I would might I might think about Tyson at that point. The, this is the kind of stuff we talk about in the show. That's why you come here. All right, let's do our big splash. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. The big splash. Tom Brady's got some discomfort in his right shoulder and his finger. He missed practice Wednesday, that's today, but or yesterday. Tom Brady said he'll play Sunday against the Falcons. Marcus Mariota trying to get a W and keep his win streak alive, but he's got to get by Tom Brady to get there. It's a big moment for Mariota. Brady battling some injury. He says he feels great. He says he will play on Sunday, but uh, keep an eye on Marcus Mariota. If you're a former Duck fan or a Mariota fan, he's got a big one in front of him. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Alabama's Bryce Young will be a game-time decision against Texas A&M. Nick Saban says no structural damage to his shoulder. He did throw in practice yesterday. He'll make a final decision in the pregame warm-ups. That's the difference between the NFL and college football where they don't have to give you the injury report. Punch and Audio is coming up. Anna will join us. We've got the 5 at 5. We're going to go through our picks as well. All of that still in front of us. you got the BFT statewide on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. Appreciate that you're here on this great Thursday. B-F-F-T. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald faced truth. This hour, we'll give our picks in the Pac 12 games. In fact, we're going to start there, guys. We'll start with this segment giving our week six winners in the Pac 12. We'll play some punch and audio later in the show. The five at five will be with us as well. Anna's going to pop in. Heaven knows what she'll say. Jay is in Amity, and he's called in. He has a would-you-rather answer for us. Last hour, we asked you about Mike Tyson or Derrick Henry or Shohei Otani. What's up, Jay? Hey, John. Hey, first off, who came up with that question? Because that has to be one of the best questions. It is so tough, um, but I'm going to have to go with the Mike Tyson punch. I'm a little more worried about my internal organs uh, rather than my head uh, as I get a little older. My head's yeah. going out on its own. So yeah, but yeah. what if Tyson can? What if Tyson? You have to go around with Tyson, and I think some of his body blows are as damaging as the. Uh, oh as, yeah, you you're know. changing it. Yeah, you're changing it up. If I got to go around, I'm taking the rib cage from uh, Shohei yeah. there. Yeah, 
That that question was born many moons ago in college, and we used to ask it differently. It was Tyson in the boxing ring, Roger Clemens fastball in the ribs, or it's a family show, Reggie Roby punting a football into your family jewels. Remember Reggie Roby? Like the butt punt, but the other way. <laughs> yes. The front, the front butt punt. You're blocking Reggie Roby's punt, but you're never having children. Okay, hot take. <laughs> this seems easy for me. This seems like it should take the Reggie Roby. I, I'm done having kids. I don't, I don't need it. Oh. Are you telling me you would take Reggie Roby? Do you know how high that guy kicked his leg? I do, yeah. Miami Dolphins punter. <laughs> that is so funny. Reggie Roby. That was how we originally asked the question. Who and let me tell you. a vasectomy when you can have a Reggie Roby kick yeah, it's free. A free vasectomy? I mean, Reggie on. Roby should open a clinic. <laughs> you know, has one somewhere. you could go under the knife yeah. or I could just kick a football at your groin. It's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's do the Pac-12 games for the week, guys. That is uh, a high leg kick. Holy yeah. cow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my. It is uh, Reggie Roby, one of the best. <laughs> um, it's so funny. Week six of the Pac-12 is upon us. And I'm going to just point out I went five and one picking straight up games last week. I don't know if this is impressive or not, because I'm doing it every week now. I'm 35 and nine picking games straight up. I'm a measly 23 and 21 against the spread, though. I was two and four last week against the spread. Not a good week for me. So, Stephen, help me out. You're our gambling expert. Is it unusual that I seem to be picking winners at a high clip, or is it because these are Pac-12 teams and there's been some lopsided spreads? No, I think it's pretty normal, pretty right on. I mean, your spread picks at 23 and 21. It's at 52.2%, so that's just under what you need to break even. 52.7 is what you need. So uh, you actually did really good against the spread, I think. And then straight up, I mean, that's just uh, – you're just killing it there. So I, I, need a, I need to bet the money line. Yeah, definitely. That's what I need. Because you, I picked, you picked a couple uh, you know, underdog upsets that would help yeah. you out there. So uh, yeah, I think you're reading the board pretty well. All right, let's, let's go to the board. Utah is at UCLA. 12.30 on Fox. Uh, I'll go first on this one. Uh, the Utes, they've got a date two Saturdays from now against USC at home. Now, it would be the most Pac-12 thing ever for Utah to lose this game. But I trust Utah. I trust Kyle Whittingham. I trust Cam Rising. Uh, I'm a little worried about Dorian Thompson-Robinson because he's a fifth-year starter. Uh, UCLA's got a, a sh uh, an extra day of prep because they played on a Friday last week. They're at home. So it's a squirrely game. It is for Utah. This isn't a no-brainer. Utah is minus 3.5 right now, and I'm going to take Utah to win the game, and I'm going to take them to cover. I don't feel great about them covering. I think they'll win. I have it 35-28 Utah. I 100% agree with you. I think Utah wins and covers this game. We've been talking about who the real threats in the Pac-12 are this week. And I still think Utah's the best team in the Pac-12. And so for me, you know, I'm going to take Utah. I'm going to lay the points. Um, I did see on Twitter that UCLA, all UCLA students get a free T-shirt for the Saturday game. So, you know, watch out there, Utah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think Utah with Cam Rising, I think they're on the right track. And I think they're on this on this stretch where they know they got to get some style points. they got to get some big wins to get back in that CFP uh, talk. So I think it's, it's going to start here against the ranked uh, UCLA team. So there's not a lot of games on the board this week that are like that I would take upsets in, but I'm taking UCLA to win this football game. And don't get me wrong, Utah is on paper a better football team, but the spot is better for UCLA. 
Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Utah-USC game coming up in a couple of weeks. Do you also know what game is coming up in a couple of weeks? I don't know what you're talking about. Chip is coming to Eugene. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. So And look, UCLA has a bye week after this game with Utah. So does mm-hmm. Oregon. Oregon has a bye after this game with Arizona. I think October 22nd at Autzen Stadium, you will have an undefeated Chip Kelly Ooh, UCLA Bruins. You're setting the stage. At okay. a 5-1 Dan Lanning, Oregon Ducks. Game day will be there. I think it gets 4.30 ABC. I'm setting the stage. Well, there's, there's a, big, a problem, big there's a problem with There's a problem with game day because if, if you're wrong, Utah wins this game, I think Utah-USC gets game day. Next yeah, that's a fine. week from Saturday, the Pac-12 so, gets game day yeah, on October twenty second. I was in. Uh, Little Birdie <laughs> told me this. I was in the press box of Salt Lake City last week for Oregon State Utah. One of the administrators at Utah pulled me aside and said, "Hey, if we win this game and the next one, and USC wins, uh, they're being told they that it's likely that game day will be in Salt Lake City." On the fifteenth. Oh, I got you. On the fifteenth. Okay, yeah. so a week yeah. from this uh, this week weekend, from, yeah. that's when game day would be in Salt Lake. And yeah. you're saying if that's the case, then it wouldn't come back to the Pac-12. Right. October. Yeah. 22nd. Well, if that's the case, UCLA yeah. would have had a loss. So and, right. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's. I think, but I think UCLA wins this game. And you mentioned the right. fifth-year quarterback. It's a DTR play for me. Yeah. And um, like this is his. This is why he came back is to win big games. And now we, we've been ragging on UCLA. Soft, soft schedule. Cupcakes out of the gate. And that was true, but I don't think it precludes them from being able to win this football game. Let's see. We'll I think they, they have to play the best game of the season to beat Utah, but I think they do, and I think they will. 34-28 there, there, There's also something not quite right about Utah at this point of the season. I, I, I noticed it last year at this point. They lost to Oregon State in the middle of the season. I saw a little bit of it last week, Cam Rising, just not quite sharp. And the defense at Utah not quite playing its best. So keep an eye on that against UCLA. I still like Utah to win and cover. Washington's at Arizona State, 1 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network, second game. Huskies got exposed last Friday night against UCLA. They are favored by 14 in this game. That feels heavy to me. I like Washington to win, but they don't cover the 14. Arizona State plus 14 is the play, but uh, Washington wins the game. I'm kind of opposite of you this, John. I think Washington has a bounce-back performance, and you know Arizona State hung hung close with USC, close-ish, I should say, but it wasn't as if the defense really was awesome in that game. I think Washington can do the same thing. They'll be able to go down and score a lot of points against Arizona State, and uh, I just don't think Arizona, will be, Arizona State will be a score with them. So I would take the minus the 14. I'd lay it. I don't feel good mm-hmm. about it, but I would lay it. Yeah, okay. I, I'm the same way with you, Steve. And I think uh, Penix, I was a skeptic of Penix uh, coming into the year, and he has been really, really good with Kalen DeBoer so far. Uh, it's just 1 o'clock, Pac-12 Network in Tempe against a down ASU team with no head coach, really. I, I don't think the Sun Devils have it in them to be feisty here. I like Dub and I like them big. All right, moving on. Next game, we're talking about Washington State at USC, 4.30 on Fox. I think this is a great game. This is the second best game on the board for me, first one being UCLA and Utah. Uh, I have waited for the Trojans to trip all year. I keep picking against them. I'm not going to pick against them uh, as far as the winner. I think they win this game, but... This game opened at USC as a 10.5-point favorite. It is now at 13, and it, it may go higher. 
So the public loves the Trojans. I remain a skeptic. I'm uh, I'm zigging. They're zagging. Uh, I got USC 31, Washington State 28. Close game at USC. But Trojans escape. But Washington and the points is my play. I agree with you. I think Washington State uh, hangs within the number, especially at 13. Seems like a lot. You know, Cam, Cam Reward uh, last week against Cal, 343 yards passing. The week four against Oregon, 375 yards passing. So that pass game that we expected at the start of the year has kind of started to heat up a little bit. I don't know that the USC defense is going to be, you know, they rely a lot on those turnovers. Is Cam Ward going to turn over? Probably once or twice because he always does. But they're going to get some yards. They're going to hang close. I like Washington State just like you do to hang close, but USC gets the win. Really? Okay. So I I agree with you, John, that the number going north here is weird to me. Like, I don't – I think that's going to be too many points. I'd probably take Washington State once this number gets to like 14, 14 and a half. Until then, I would probably still take USC at, at 13. Steven, you've been down on Wazoo all year. I have, I like, and you don't even learned his lesson. You don't they really put, like they punished him. I have, punished him. I just think, I, you know, I think it's more that I'm waiting for USC to regress a little. Bit. We we're both anti USC. I for think some that's reason. why. Well, I'm yeah. we, saw, look, we saw the Oregon State game, you know, and here's the thing too: Wisconsin apparently is bad, and so that Wazoo Wisconsin win doesn't look as good. As it uh, as it once did a couple of weeks ago, Wazoo played right there with Oregon. Like I yeah. think they, I think I, they're I, all right. I liked like last week. I picked against Wazoo last week, but against Wilcox defense, he threw for over three hundred and forty yards yeah, and they scored twenty eight points. Like I think that's a good. I think that's a good sign that the offense is clicking a little bit. So I think it'll just get going a little bit against USC. Judah, what's your pick officially? I need you. No fence sitting. None of this. If it goes to fourteen, the line is thirteen. Who wins the game? And do you like? You know, who do you have with the spread? Yeah, you, USC wins, and I'll, I'll lay the 13. It's not yeah. a huge confidence play, but I'm I'll lay the 13 down. with USC. Okay. Oregon's at Arizona, 6 o'clock, Pac-12 networks. I love what the Ducks are doing on offense. Uh, Bo Nix is using his feet. Kenny Dillingham's, you know, they're scoring 40 points a game. Uh, I like Arizona this year. They've shown, shown some life, but they're in over their heads in this one. This pool's too deep for them. Ducks are a 13-point road favorite. I like Oregon, and I like Oregon to cover. 42-27, Oregon. Yeah, I agree with you. You go back to when Arizona played Mississippi State, who was a really good high you know, high major team. They lost 39-17. They really struggled in that game, stopping Mississippi State. That Oregon offense, we've talked about it, John and Judah, like they might be the best offense in the Pac-12. I mean, that's yeah, a real no, thing. I think they're so good. And so I, I think Arizona's, Arizona's going to have a hard time uh, keeping up points-wise. And so I, with that, I think Oregon is going to get the win. The interesting thing about me, for me, for Arizona, John, is they're three and two right now. You know, they need to. They they have a legit chance to get bowl eligibility, but their schedule is so brutal coming up. They play Oregon, then at Washington, USC, at Utah, at UCLA, all in a row. So all losses. Yeah, it yeah. seem like all losses. Like they have to get at least one of those to try to get to bowl eligibility. I don't think they're going to get one, but I think it's a loss this week. So you're picking Oregon, and or, you're yeah, you're laying I'm the laying thirteen. It. I'm laying it. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm right there with you guys. I want to go against you. You know the the spot. You, you never want to take the Ducks laying a big number down in Tucson, but I'm doing it here. I just think Oregon's offense is that good. I don't know how long, how often we've been talking about Kenny Dillingham on this show, but we need to be talking about him more. I think he's a really, really good offensive coordinator, and Oregon can do whatever they want offensively right now. And Bo is playing very good ball. I'll take over 70.5 as well. I think a lot of points. Uh, Jacob Cowing, the Arizona receiver, 
He's awesome. And so I'll be looking at him one-on-one with Christian Gonzalez. That's a big show-me game for both of those guys. But I will take Oregon and lay the 13 as well. Gonzalez has been very good this year. And here, here's the one caveat for Oregon. You know, Bo Nix has to take care of the ball. Uh, I like what they do he'll on offense. Th- he'll but throw he one has, pick. But he has yeah. to take, you know, he can't have a, you know, two or three pick right. game. And then I, I like to see Oregon not have like 15 penalties in this game. Like this is a game that is a correction from the Stanford game where they were heavily penalized, even though they won big. I, I got to think Dan Lanning has addressed that in practice and in film sessions. And so let's see it on the field. Oregon State at Stanford, the nightcap in the Pac-12, 8 p.m. ESPN. I really like Oregon State at just about every position except quarterback. Now, we had Jonathan Smith on yesterday. He said Chance Nolan was limited in practice and had work to do to get on the field. I'm reading the tea leaves there. I think we're going to see Ben Goldbrunson at quarterback. I think a full week of practice reps and... I don't want to say a dumbed-down game plan because I don't think it's dumbed down, but I think a game plan that relies more on the run game is what Oregon State's going to do. When they were in that Utah game and had good sustained drives, they did it by running the football and using play action. they got to go run first. Meanwhile, Stanford's a mess. They've lost nine straight conference games. They haven't lost ten straight ever. They joined the conference in 1918. Uh, Beavers are a seven-point favorite. I think they're going to win. And I think they're going to cover. I also like this to be oddly a uh, a lower scoring game. Both teams, like I don't think either team's going to get to thirty. I got it. Oregon State twenty eight, Stanford twenty. Won't be surprised if it's something like twenty eight seventeen. I I think Oregon State will bleed the clock and run the ball. Yeah, I can't trust Stanford anymore. I'd take Oregon State lay the points. And I think you're right with the quarterback situation. It seems like. Chances hurt, but at the same time, you also want to see what you got in Gulberson because Nola's been so bad the last few weeks. Uh, you know, dare I say this is a game where Oregon State, you know, can kind of go through the motions and should still cover this game. Stanford's been that bad. You know, I think Oregon State just kind of, like you said, is better everywhere except for quarterbacks. So they should dominate every single spot in this game. I think Oregon State wins uh, by at least over seven. So uh, I take Oregon State like points. And, and by the way, the over-under on this one is 56 and a half. I, I like under. I think this yeah. game it, this game might be under 50 total. Yeah, uh, under or nothing for sure. Why am I nervous about this game? <laughs> because you watched eight picks in the last two weeks at Oregon State. They can't throw four interceptions and beat Stanford. But I think if Gulbrunson takes care of the ball and Oregon State uh, runs the football, I think they're okay. They should run the ball on first down and second down and third down and then move the sticks and then run it on first down and then second down and then maybe throw on third down if you get there. Like, I think Goldbrunson needs to throw the ball 16 times. Yeah. That's it. And everything else should be a run. And trust Machaltic and trust the offensive line and just run the rock all day. But I'm I'm nervous, man. Did you see that there was a mock draft today from PFF? Tanner McKee is like a top 10 pick in this mock draft. Yeah. He's going to be a great pro. He, they what? have no pass protection, and they've got great receivers. They have no pass protection. He's been getting sacked uh, too much, and he's under pressure all the time. You mean so, he's a great prospect, and we are not? We just don't see it because the pass pro is so bad? Yeah, they're so bad around him, yes. And they can't run the ball. They lost their running back, and you know they're, they're a mess right now. And I, you know, Two weeks ago, we started talking about David Shaw, how much job security he has. Um, I think I think we're about a week or two away if he loses one to two more. 
where we start to question that. And I still think he keeps his job, but I think Stanford's yeah. going to go, hey, you need to change coordinators. You need to do this. They're, you know, I think that's coming. Yeah, so that mock draft by Mike Renner of PFF has Tanner McKee number nine right now in the in the mock draft. And then Christian Gonzalez of Oregon, number 10. I, I know Gonzalez is a, is a great prospect. McKee, that just surprised me just because I don't think of him as like a first-round pick type of talent. Um, Filkins, the Lake Oswego kid, you know, he makes some plays for Stanford as well. Who do, John, who has a better defense right now, the Ducks or the Beavers? I think Oregon's defense is fast. I think, or, I, my, and this is one thing I want people to watch this weekend, when you're watching the Pac-12 games, I've seen everybody now. Uh, I haven't seen UCLA in person, but I've seen everybody else. And I feel like Oregon has the fastest defense in the Pac-12. I think Oregon's defense is fast. What makes Oregon State so good is they've got a bunch of guys who've been in college for five, six, seven years. And they have played together. They have continuity. And then they, they're getting to the quarterback finally. So I think that secondary having, like, you know, those guys are all, like, you know, ready to retire. They, you know, they're growing beards. They're older. They, they're taking yoga class. Like they got three degrees. Like I think that is they're very experienced, very savvy. But I'm really looking forward to that Oregon Oregon State game because I I think by that time, Oregon will have it humming and might be planned for a trip to Vegas, and Oregon State is going to be sitting in a position where I think uh, you know they they could be playing their best football of the year at that point. By the way. Uh, you know, McKee was sacked three times last week by by Oregon. I think he was sacked five times the week before. That's not even counting the times that he's rushed or you know hurried or takes a hit. He is, but every time I look up, he's on his back. So keep an eye on that this week as Oregon State and Stanford mix it up. My official pick will be Stanford plus the points, begrudgingly. I think Beavers win, but okay, right now I'm nervous. I, you guys aren't nervous. That's interesting. No. Okay. No. I've been burned too many times with Stanford. I was too high on them. I, I, that I was Cal. Do. That was Cal for me. I finally figured Cal out, so I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> they're, on the, they're on the no-bet list. I know. I, two weeks in a row, I will not lose a Cal game. How about that? <laughs> Anna's popping into the studio next. Uh, we'll also play some Punch It Audio. Leave it here. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Anna's in the studio. The Oregon Ducks are going to be wearing speckled uniforms on Saturday. Do you know what a speckled uniform is? If you do, then uh, you don't need to go to my Twitter. If you don't, uh, then I uh, I want you to go to my Twitter, and I want you to tell me uh, whether or not you... Uh, uh, you like them. Uh, you know, you guys need to look at this. They, they wore them against UCLA last year. And a bunch of people made omelet jokes and whatnot. But I have uh, tweeted it out at John Canzano BFT if you want to see that. Anna, thumbs up or thumbs down on the speckled uniforms? I don't mind them, but people <laughs> on social media are brutal. Yeah. Brutal. I mean, the comments are 10 million uniforms, zero championships. Looks like uh, they rode their bikes through a mud puddle. It's like Humpty a, Dumpty. Yeah. Omelets. Paint gun exploded. Um, do you guys like them or not? Steven, Judah, what do you think? I like the cookies and cream comment. You know, it's a good ice cream. Um, Delicious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, they're not my favorite thing, but I'm not I'm not super uniform guys, so I'm going to go no. It's a no for it, me. Is it a rare misfire by Oregon when it comes to fashion? 
rare. Uh, it's just <laughs> fashion, you know? But when you open yourself up to comments like, it looks like they were wearing them while texturing a wall. <laughs> I think it's just hard. It's hard. It's an, it, it makes Oregon an easy target in a way because i mean fashion's just so subjective right but, but let's talk about whether or not this is a good choice because if you're oregon this is kind of on brand is it not like this is their tradition yeah i think it's probably a good choice because i don't like them and so i'm not the most fashion forward guy <laughs> yeah. so like they're not they're not doing it for me <laughs> steven not liking them means they work yeah yeah <laughs> me and my I actually, shorts. i actually think i would like a shirt like that because then i wouldn't have to worry about keeping it clean you know because it looks like yes. you know what i mean yeah yeah, so the things that you, like, spill onto the uniform would just be camouflaged. Yeah, you you're know? like, who cares? The coffee that you spill, anything, it would just be disguised. Somebody took a Sharpie right now to Bo Nix's jersey and just drew a circle, little circle, you know, nobody would notice. <laughs> Judah, is it working for you or no? Are they trying to go with, like, hey, we don't mind, you know, getting dirty, we don't mind being rough and tumble, you know, we got speckled jerseys? Like, is that, what's the message they're trying to send with They the wore them against UCLA last I know, year. I know People, that, and they you know, won. And it was a crazy game. But uh, it's like, are they dry? Does that, you know, does that aesthetic ring like, you know, truck guy, tough guy, dirt on the tires guy? Like, I don't know what they're going for. I don't like, think no. they're they're going. Think about who they're trying to recruit. That's not truck guy, dirt on the tire guy. They yeah. don't want him. No, it's like. <laughs> not it's, a running back or receiver. Anyway. It's streetwear graffiti-esque, I think, because that, that's, I mean. So it's more you artistic know. than it is, like, It's yeah. more rugged. artistic. That's why I like yeah. it, because I'm kind of artistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the kids love them. That's the thing. And when I mean the I kids, I mean, like, the teenagers and, you know, the, the, the younger folk. I long ago with Oregon's <laughs> uniforms, I stopped trying to figure out if I liked it because I realized after about two, three years of doing that that I wasn't who they were after. No, like what you're saying. You're not. You're yeah. not the target demo. I'm not who they want. You know, you're in the demo of the people that are like, I like traditional uniforms. Why can't we just have the traditional look? But, but, it, oh, you know, here you I have. I can't unsee cookies and cream now. Like that's so <laughs> perfect for these. I like that better than what they're saying. Speckled or, well, you know, last yeah. year everybody was. Everybody on Twitter was making omelet jokes and Humpty Dumpty jokes and saying, you know, it looked like an egg that was cracked or whatever. It, I, didn't really work for me that way. Mm -hmm. But I like cookies and cream. I'll yeah. take that. Delicious. They should just lean into it and call them the cookies and cream jerseys. Yeah. There you go. You, you could call. Do you, do you uh, have a favorite Oregon uh, uniform, John? I, I have a least favorite. Those webfoot ones. Those sucked. What are I they? I like those ones. No, no, no. What are they? Cow? <laughs> they, yeah, the they're blue. not even the right colors. You know? They Mix. Also, was that the Washington game as well? The yeah, 70 yeah. to 21 yes, game? Yes, yes. Never again should they wear those uniforms. Yeah, but I think everybody's doing, like, a cool variation. Like, Oregon State's got some cool uniforms. And if you watch Arizona State, Arizona State has some helmets, man. If you look at – Arizona State has this camouflage helmet that they wear now and then. Yeah. It's fantastic. Can't we all agree, though, that, like, Oregon in this way, what, whether you like it, appreciate it or not, has, you know, set the tone for upping the ante on uniform choices. It, it's totally a recruiting tool, right? Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, kids actually want to go to Oregon and play for them in part because they're seen as cool and they have this seemingly unlimited choice of things to wear on game day. All right, so I tweeted it. David on Twitter says, thumbs down, but the emo artsy paint splatter probably resonates with the younger crowd. Thomas says... It appears they are running out of ideas. 
Um, uh, Chris says, I'm a Beaver fan and I despise all of their uniforms. Um, uh, here's another thing. Are they trying to sell more gear? Is this genius from a, from a revenue standpoint? Do they sell more gear because they have, you know, every NBA and NFL team comes out with a special jersey because they're selling some extra merch. Is Oregon selling more than anybody on planet Earth and just laughing their way to the bank? I would think so. I mean, I do because, like, you'll see people wearing Oregon jerseys, and you'll be like, "Oh yeah, I recognize that. That was a that was a game day jersey." You know, like the, I think people are into it now. Not I'm a, not a Duck fan, but like, how do Duck fans know what to wear to the stadium? Like day of, <laughs> great. Well, they, a bulletin. They tweet these out, you yeah, know, they a few do days say, in advance, so you got to buy every combo to yep. to be ready. That's how you do it. Yes, yeah, so you got to invest thousands of dollars just mm-hmm. to be ready for the. That's right. to go on top of the season tickets. have a, right. a food truck filled with clothes. You drive it down to the game and you look around. Okay, yes. what do we do? They don't get down to that specific. It's usually just like a blackout day or everybody wears white or everybody wears green, right? They're, I mean, you know, they can't get that specific. This is not limited to just um, the fans either. Like as a media person, I have to think about what the team is wearing. I don't want to be seen as like I'm with the team. Uh-huh. So I will intentionally pick a shirt or a sport coat that is a neutral color. So Anna can't be buying you cookies and cream shirts anymore. No, I don't need a cookie. <laughs> but yeah, can you imagine it's that? Egg shell. But egg shell. I Sorry. I made that mistake in the BYU Oregon game. I wore a like a kind of a blue sport coat that's like BYU blue. Yeah. You hate and the ducks. I got out of my car and I went crap. I gotta walk <laughs> through this parking lot wearing this jacket and people are all gonna think you know that I'm with BYU. Plus, you're wearing a press pass, which makes it look like you're like a member of their athletic department. Yeah. People were going, look at that Mormon walking through here. Yeah, your Book of Mormon on the press box. Look at that Steve guy. Young Have there? a drink. Steve Young. It's Steve yeah. Young. Oh, my gosh. A lot of, lot of people. I was offended by the things people said to me. No. We'll, uh, we're going to talk about fantasy football. We'll pivot from fashion to fantasy next. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Anna, are you on a fantasy? Are you on nope. a fantasy, <laughs> fantasy football team? <laughs> Judah, do you, are you playing fantasy football? I'm taking this year off, actually. That's what I want to talk about. All right. I want to talk about whether or not you're missing out if you're not playing. So, is this unusual for you to not play fantasy football? Yes. Like, give us an idea. Like, you know, give give me an idea of. I feel like you're on the witness stand right now. Give me an idea of how many teams you've traditionally played in and why this year is different. Fantasy has been around for a long time. This is probably the second year in the last fifteen that I've not played. Uh, traditionally, I only play with one team, though. I, I mean, when I was younger, I would play with three or four teams, but that's stupid. So I just played one team, one league for some money. It's fun. But that league folded last year with some behind-the-scenes drama, and it was hard. And uh, so it was it was bad. So uh, I decided I, I need a palate cleanser. I'm just going to experience football in all the other ways you can experience football that aren't fantasy, and, and I still love it, so it's all good. Is any of this have to do with the fact that you have become a husband and a father? 
Sure, yeah, that might be part of it, yeah. Because, come on now. Bandwidth. I'm talking bandwidth. Yeah, yeah, definitely. When's the time? You can only go to the can so much to change your fantasy football lineup. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's going to the bathroom. Like my wife's like, oh, is something wrong? He's like, no, no. Why is fine. Judah just, in there? He's making a trade. <laughs> it's a perfect excuse, though. So if you suck this year, you'd be like, oh, yeah, it's because I have a kid now. Yeah. Blame your exactly child. Right. No, the, 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 kid, the kid, I kid you not, was three days old when I had my fantasy draft last year. That went over well. <laughs> Judah, can you help feed the baby? Excuse me, I'm oh, yeah. picking a I'm running on, back. I'm, I'm looking for a, I'm looking for my second. Oh, I got the number one waiver. Clock. Come on. Uh, Steven, are you uh, playing in multiple leagues? Uh, I played one league. Uh, it's a it's a Vaughn fantasy football league. This is actually the 15th year running. Uh, I've been commissioner for most of them, so this is the only one I do. Yeah, you need you need one of those people to be commissioner. You're that guy for your friends. Yeah, you know, I I brought it together when I was in college. I decided to be fun with a couple of friends, a couple of family members, and now it's really grown to mostly family. Like I think there's maybe one or two people in it that aren't technically family, and so it's kind of a thing that you know gets the family talking together and you know text groups and trades and stuff like that. So it's a lot of fun to bring us together. All right, I'm gonna throw some numbers at you guys. Thirty two percent of people who watch NFL games are playing fantasy sports. Of the people who play fantasy sports, somewhere between 75 and 78% of those people also gamble on games. High correlation between gambling and people who play fantasy football. Uh, also, that 32% number I, I thought was a little low. So of, of the total viewing audience on an NFL game, 32% are playing football. You guys surprised by any of that? I, I thought that's low. When when you just said that in real time, I'm like, only 32% of football watchers play fantasy football? Like, I get... NFL watchers, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Of yeah. NFL watchers. But you think about how many people watch the NFL. Maybe that's what that indicates, is like, how many people watch the games? Like, so many different demographics, not just the fantasy football audience. But I, I thought 32 was low. Yeah, that's just like 70% of the audience that is more reasonable with how they want to spend their time. Uh, or you, or yeah, that, like myself and Judah. Yeah, yeah. So here's how. Here's why I'm not playing. Reasonable. I'm. I can't dabble. Yeah. I can't dabble in anything. Not a dabbler. If I do something, I go all in on it. Like you know, and so I can't just play. If I play fantasy football, I'm gonna. I gotta win the league. So I, it's all or none for me. I, I'm either going 70 in the fast lane, or I'm sitting on the side of the freeway. So I'm I a couple years ago I decided I'm spending too much time on this and what's the payoff uh, you know bragging rights and here was the other thing Alabama Adriana was playing in that same damn league mm-hmm. and her and I ended up in the championship game against each other <laughs> and I thought and she was remember I don't know if you remember this Judas she was kind of joking around that look at me I don't know anything about football made yeah. it to the fantasy league yeah. championship game all that I was like what am I doing here I can only lose. I can only lose. It's like, you know, one time back in the day we used to have, before Rick Neuheisel got busted, we used to have like an office NFL pool every week. Somebody ran it. And all the salespeople and the marketing people and the people who don't know anything about sports work on like the country station or the political station or, you know, the easy listening music station. They were all in this thing. And it was the easiest pool to win ever because... I just picked the games because this is what we do all week. And But I got to the point where I, if I didn't win every week, people would laugh. 
And so I said, I can't play this thing because I'm only going to get beat. There's only downside for me. And it's a time suck. So it's like the slam dunk contest in the NBA. That's why the superstars don't do it. That's right. I'm, li- I'm kind of like LeBron. Not to compare you to the superstars I'm, of the NBA. I'm <laughs> like LeBron. Please, okay? don't. Thank you. They were going two You're days welcome. in a row. You're welcome. I know. Let's go out. Let's let America weigh in on this. Uh, 503-417-7575. That's why why you're hired to be, right? To be a pop-up guy? He's my hype guy. Yeah, you're one-person hype team. (laughs) Dave in Vancouver. Dave, weigh in. So, I never did did fantasy football. I didn't really care for it. I wasn't interested. But, you know, all all my friends did it. People at work do it. And about three years ago, four years ago, I finally joined like one, just one of the free leagues, whatever. And my mistake was instead of picking like the best available player, I picked my favorite player. Mm. And three years in a row, I believe, uh, last place in my entire league. <laughs> and so I gave up. I just because I didn't give a crap. So. You're you're kind of like uh, Jody Allen as an owner. No, yeah. no money lost. <laughs> Same with her. Yeah, Dave, Dave in Vancouver, channeling his inner Jody. Hey, I'm just a trustee, you know, there's nothing here. It's not my fault. Steve is no good. What I don't understand is, like, Steven, in your fantasy football league, is there a big, like, three-foot-tall trophy? Uh, no, I, I buy, like, a toy trophy, just the kind of a goof. It's like a kind of a goof. But this year, uh, we, we are going to buy a better trophy uh, because we're going to put it in See? remembrance of my uncle. My uncle died, and oh. he was he was in the league, and so yeah. we're doing the, the Dave Vaughn annual memorial trophy. So we're going to buy a better trophy this year. So it's like the Pete Roselle trophy, but for Dave. Yes, exactly, for Uncle oh. Dave. I love That's that. That's great. And then, you know, like, there is just – there's a whole culture around this. Like, when you go to a bookstore like Barnes & Noble, there are entire magazine racks devoted to not the NFL, yeah. but – at like fantasy football analysis, shiny <laughs> publications, dedicated. There's positive and negative byproducts, though, to this whole thing. Like positive, if you have a fantasy league team, you're probably a little more tuned in to kind of like who's the backup running back in Cleveland and in Tampa. Okay, so you're, <laughs> you're, you're tuned in. Your breadth of knowledge. Hyper tuned yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. All right, you're like focused on this stuff. <laughs> but the downside is it's – you can't enjoy a game, and you certainly have troubles when you're watching your favorite team play because you, there's a conflict of interest that you have that is inherent in playing fantasy football. And you end up in situations where you're like, hey, I want to see the Niners win, but Debo Samuel can't score a touchdown because my <laughs> opponent has him, so I need somebody else to score the touchdown. And so, yeah, you know, you're in a terrible position. I found when I stopped playing, I was happier. Uh-huh. I just was happier watching the game because I wanted to watch the game. Do you uh, open the DraftKings app from time to time? Yeah, I do. I do. Isn't that more fun? It is because you can line up your your interest, your wagering interest with your what game you're watching or the in-game wagering. I think it's always interesting. I think I think the in-game wagering on NBA or NFL is interesting when one team jumps ahead early. And Steven, you know this better than anybody. When a team gets up like 7-0 or 10-0, like you'll see a, a spread that just doesn't make any sense, and you know that other team's coming back, and it's the NFL. This will be a close. This will be a one-score game in the end. Yeah, and in the NBA too. Like 
it only matters what happens in the fourth quarter. Like, it's always going to be a game because people just shoot threes all the time. But I agree with you guys. Like, I used to really love fantasy football. was into it. I'm way less into it now because of, like, gambling and betting on games. Like, I'm way more into that because it's the same thing. Like, you can bet on player props. You can do so much more. Uh, so, you know, I do agree. Betting is way more fun than fantasy, but we just do it for the family dynamic now. We're going to play Punch It Audio. We got great sound. We'll play it next. Five at five coming up top of the hour. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. We're going to play some punch and audio. We'll have the five at five coming up top of the hour. Five biggest stories, most important stories, leading you right into Thursday night football on Amazon Prime. All of that ahead uh, in Thursday night football right here on 750 The Game if you want to listen to the broadcast. Let's do it. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio. Presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. Victor Wimbanyama. Damn. Wimbanyama. Talking about LeBron. LeBron called him generational. What does that mean to a young guy? Everybody tanking for Wim Bam Yama. Thank you. It's obviously an honor to see um, such great people talk like this about me. Um, but it's it really doesn't doesn't change anything because I mean people around me they did not as did it. I got people around me sent me this video this morning and uh, but I was like oh that's cool but not more like. I started trying to focus me. Because uh, the thing is, I didn't do anything yet. I, I didn't play a game in the NBA yet. I wasn't drafted. Uh, and so I got to stay focused to, to reach my goals. Because it's going to be tough in, in time to, to, to get better every day and stay, you know, stay consistent. Wimben Yama is widely regarded as the favorite to be the number one overall pick in the 2023 NBA draft. LeBron James hyping him. He's 7'2", he's French, he's 18 years old, can handle the ball, he can shoot. Uh, his agent is also saying there's no plan to shut him down. There have been some speculation from NBA executives who are saying, hey, don't, don't let this guy play. We don't want a Chet Holmgren situation. Uh, Blazers and other teams that are not favorites to win in the NBA, all have to be thinking about whether or not they will tank to get Victor. And, and he might be taller than 7'2". They had a picture taken of him and Rudy Gobert, who's listed at 7'1". He towers over Rudy really? Gobert. They, they, do you think he's trying to doubt? Like, most people play it up. I've heard 7'3", 7'4", in some places. Do you think they're trying to play it down? Because he is listed at 7'2". Yeah, because, I mean, how many guys have been successful at over... 7-1, right? Like, there really hasn't been that many, so he could be playing it down. Most hyped player since LeBron? Probably, yeah. Oh, know. yeah. I've seen I'm looking at his photo as well. He, he is towering over Rudy Gobert. Zion was pretty hyped. Yeah. That hasn't worked out. 
do you think I, I, I'm kind of I, and I posed this question yesterday if you're a Blazer fan I apologize to you for this up front but you know we mentioned Scoot Henderson we mentioned uh, you know Victor Wembanyama if you're a Blazer fan do you feel better about taking the small guy or the big guy I guess you gotta go big yeah, I mean, just watch some highlights that he had today. He's hitting fadeaway threes. He hit a 30-foot three-pointer at 7-4, man. That's, yeah. It's insane. It's insane. I'd love to see it in Portland. I also would be like, wrap him in bubble wrap till he gets here. Jonathan Smith talking about his defense. Do they have to get better? He joined us yesterday. Listen to this. Punch it. Well, I think they're playing with some effort. Um, and, and they're doing their assignments in regards to playing 11-man uh, football defensively. Uh, we we still got plenty we can we can grow in that area the way they the quarterback ran the ball we wanted to to limit that he we didn't in in a ways the guy rushed for a bunch of yards he was too comfortable in the pocket and so he completed a lot of balls and and they went to create a havoc around him that way I do think we did a great job in their traditional run game when they handed the ball to the back we were there and and going um, and again it's easy to talk about we got to create some turnovers type thing but I don't need all of a sudden now, just because we need some turnover defense, you know, particular players trying to do more than just their job. Those things will come if we're doing our job in a physical way. Yeah, I think they get a, you know, the the I, I said last week that Stanford was the ideal patsy for Oregon. I feel like they are, again, the ideal patsy. They, you know, I, I think they will line up. I think they've got a quarterback who's going to play in the NFL. They've got some receivers that are going to play in the NFL, but they can't protect the quarterback. They can't stop you. On defense, I, I I have a feeling Oregon State could rush for big yards in this game against Stanford, and I expect it. But that defense at Oregon State is what allows you to do that, because I think they will hold Stanford in check. Greg McElroy and the Bear, always college football. The Bear could see Arizona covering against Oregon this week. Oregon a 13-point favorite. Punch it. I know you're probably going to call me crazy, but I can talk myself into uh, playing Arizona plus the points against Oregon. I mean, there have been numerous instances under numerous head coaches that Oregon has gone on the road to the desert and absolutely laid an egg against teams from the state of Arizona that either had a losing record or a bunch of losses, and, 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 and they've been big favorites in all those games. I could talk myself into Arizona. I do think he's dumb for that. I think Arizona is uh, is a good offensive team. They are uh, not a good defensive team. And Oregon's offense is going to have its way. I also think Jaden Delora will make a mistake in this game uh, of the pick-six nature or something, uh, a reasonable facsimile of that. I think Oregon wins this game, and I think they win. They cover the 13. And, I, and I don't, I'm not worried about that game as I look at it. I think I I don't I actually don't think that the Oregon and Oregon State games six o'clock and eight o'clock games on Saturday. I think the Duck fans are going to be happy. I think the Beaver fans are going to be happy, and I think all the action is going to happen earlier in the day because you got USC uh, playing Washington State, and you have UCLA playing Utah, and those games are far more compelling on the Pac-12 schedule. Stephen A. Smith talking about Draymond Green. Draymond threw a punch at practice. Jordan Poole was the recipient. Stephen A. Smith, do you care about this? Feels like it's big or ESPN wants to make it big. Punch it. I could care less. Mm. It's teammates. 
They were just laughing and hugging with one another in June when they won the championship. Yeah. This stuff happens. You get in each other's face. You talk your yeah. trash. You know, sometimes punches are thrown or whatever the case may be. Maybe a fine is going to be warranted. I don't know what happened. I never even bothered to call. Maybe a fine is going to be happening. Maybe you'll get suspended the game. Maybe Draymond was a headache. Maybe Poole reacted wrong. I don't know. Here's the bottom line. They play together, they're teammates, and they're champions together. This stuff yep. happens all the time. It is much ado about nothing. I could yeah. care less. You, you ever have friends that, that you get along with both friends, but they don't get along with each other? Draymond Green and Jordan Poole, it's, uh, you know, it's fire and water. It's it's vinegar and oil. I mean, it's they, you, you can see why that doesn't work. They can be teammates. They've proven they can win at a high level together with the Warriors. But these are guys that argue and scrap and don't get along for uh, large portions of the season. They just they don't fit. But I think, you know, I put the pressure back on Golden State. They got a good coaching staff. Figure it out. Doesn't feel like a big story to me. Leave it here. B-F-F-T from the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights. Here's John Canzano with the bald faced truth. NFL football coming up uh, next on 750 The Game. If you're listening in Portland, Southern Washington, that's what you're getting right here on 750 The Game. But before that, we do the five at five. It's the five biggest stories going on on planet Earth. Let's do it. The five at five. I'll start in the NFL where Bears quarterback Justin Fields is last in the NFL in completions, last in passer rating, and last in interception percentage. As a team, the Bears are 32nd in passing and passing yards. First four games of Justin Fields' second season have been challenging, but that's not how his offensive coordinator is seeing it. Luke Getze said, quote, I don't think he's had a rough month. I think he's gotten better each week. I think he's growing tremendously, and you know it's not easy, end quote. It's true they're playing some decent teams, but he's only completed 50.7% of his passes, and he hasn't been good. And in the red zone, they, they were bad against the New York Giants, so he missed some open receivers and... Justin Fields struggling a little bit, but the Bears may be in denial or maybe just trying to build up his confidence. Anna, number two, go. Oh, the Raiders. They're having to apologize because they published a story on their official team website announcing the death of former running back Clarence Davis at the age of 73. May he rest in peace. Small problem. He's still living. The official statement correcting the error says that the Raiders received notice of his passing but have found the information to be false. Oh, boy. They're extending their deepest apologies to the Davis family and Raider Nation. Former USC player, fourth-round pick in 1971. Um, You don't do this. You don't announce somebody as dead unless you have double confirmation. Like, you know, Queen Elizabeth... You don't go with that until you've heard it from Buckingham Palace. Raiders, shame on you. That's number two. Number three in our five at five. I'll go there. Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. They did a TV commercial together. 
And by the way, they did a State Farm commercial. Patrick Mahomes uh, said, look, Andy Reid got in there and he stole the show. It's interesting to me that you got synergy. We always look at synergy between quarterbacks and receivers, quarterbacks and running backs, offensive lines and quarterbacks. But we, we, we don't talk enough about coaches and players having synergy. I wonder how much the Kansas City Chiefs will miss Andy Reid as their you know, go-to guy. But uh, I wonder how much Patrick Mahomes or how good he would be without Andy Reid. I guess that's what I'm getting at. We've seen some combinations break up. Belichick, Brady, Montana, and Walsh. Mixed results in the wake of that stuff. But Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes just strike me as a quarterback and a coach who, you know, they play football together, they do commercials together, and they get along and it works. Anna, go. Number four. Okay, don't be mad at me for this one, but I couldn't help it. Chess Grandmaster Hans Niemann got a very personal security check outside the U.S. Chess Championship. This is because he's been accused of using some kind of device to cheat dozens of times. So the security guard paid special attention to the area below his waist. And the allegation is that he's using using something that he puts inside of him to tip him off on moves. Wait, 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 wait. I'm really confused. Come on, talk to us like we're sitting on bar stools here. What's going on with this chess right, guy? If the children are listening, turn it down. No, but just talk around it. Okay. Know? Well, it's kind of hard to talk around it. Yeah. What so, do you mean by tip? Uh, look, it's the idea is that he he's been accused of using some kind of device inside of him. So it's like a you know something you might buy at one of those those shops, right? I don't know what you're talking about. I still don't know. Like a bead. Kind of, but it vibrates. So, <laughs> I don't understand how this is an advantage. That he's using that to tip him off on moves. I don't know. I think he's got maybe somebody who is oh is watching and hinting to him. Probably using a computer algorithm or program and then giving him hints. Maybe it's Morris Code. Is Jose Altuve a chess player? Yeah. <laughs> he's Remember? a pawn. Number five. He's barely taller than a pawn. Number five. The New England Patriots have caused damage to a U.S. flag that was signed by Tom Brady. They displayed it in their Hall of Fame at Gillette Stadium. The flag's owner, who was a fan, has filed a federal lawsuit against the Patriots. The flag had been on display for a couple months. Brady signed the thing in blue Sharpie, but apparently the Sharpie faded. It reduced the flag's value by a million dollars, according to the lawsuit. Patriots spokesperson on on Thursday said the team had no immediate comment. The flag was described as a priceless piece of memorabilia and a historical artifact. Apparently, it flew over the now-closed Foxborough Stadium December 22, 2001. Daniel Vitale. 42-year-old from New Hampshire, bought the flag in 2020, and it was the last regular season game at Foxborough that it flew, and then he gave the flag, lent the flag to the Patriots in June of 2021, 
And then when he got it back, uh, the flag had a faded Sharpie. Now, neither the lighting at the Hall of Fame nor the glass in the display case were designed to protect autographed sports memorabilia. And there was a significant gap in the glass directly in front of the flag in which unfiltered light and heat apparently passed. Breach of contract, negligent misrepresentation, fraudulent misrepresentation. There's no buzzer or vibrating machine involved in this one, but it is a lawsuit nonetheless. (laughs) And that is the five at five. All right, which story is the story we're going to talk about for the next three or four minutes? Go ahead. Judah, what do you vote? I mean, the chess one. Like, I still... I'm trying to figure it out. I just want to hear Anna explain it yeah. further. What exactly it's, it's, is getting tipped what, here? Anna, what is what is happening here with this chess story? Play by play. Okay, so the allegation and the investigation is that this chess master has cheated lots. And his method of cheating is apparently to use like a pleasure toy that he puts inside of him that buzzes in a certain way that tips him off to what the next move should be. I don't know what the code is. Like I said, maybe he's using Morse code. Maybe he's using some kind of other pattern to signify what that is. But he's denying the claims, saying that he would be happy to play naked to prove his No, no, it's okay. We're good. We're good. (laughs) But in the meantime, they they were... (laughs) Naked chess. Naked chess. They were checking him way more intently in those nether regions than they were checking any other player that was entering the championship. Search me, bro. Go ahead and search me. (laughs) Yes, search me, bro. (laughs) John, do we have a a resident uh, sex toy expert we can hit up about this? Uh, We need to get somebody on the show (laughs) or somebody who's watched the Queen's Gambit or something (laughs) chess-related on this radio show now. I had so many jokes, so many things crossed my mind. We were talking about fantasy football either earlier. Is there such a thing as fantasy chess? If so, this guy's playing it. Okay, <laughs> that's all I gotta say. That's all I gotta say. All right, we got another great show for you tomorrow. I appreciate everybody who uh, stayed with us today, and uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. We have fun. We're supposed to be an escape for you. I hope we were that escape for you today. Grab a podcast. If you missed any of today's show, you want to catch the rest. I thought it was really a highly entertaining show with good interviews. Jaden Grant, thank you to Jaden for coming on the show. But tomorrow, uh, we will focus on the sports weekend on tomorrow's show. Uh, the Bald Face Truth, not here for a long time. Just a good time. Be careful playing chess, everybody.